wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. You are listening to SENZ. Mark Watson with you. Telephone number is 0800 150 Interesting discussion there with Justin Marshall. I've said this. I think the Crusaders will win this final. I think they'll actually win it comfortably. I think they've just hit their straps at the right time. I just think the Chiefs have just waned a little bit in recent weeks. Uh, your thoughts? Um, who's got the momentum? Don't underestimate the Crusaders seven or six in a row. They know how to win. Brilliant coaching staff. The way they can just bring players in and it just doesn't change the way this team plays. It doesn't stall them. There's no stuttering. They just seem to play with so much cohesion. Uh, Just in regards to the Blues, the Blues are just an absolute disgrace. Absolute disgrace, that performance on Friday night. Appalling. Dreadful. Really disappointing too from Leon McDonald. But concerned now about him having such a big role in the All Blacks. You know, there's a reason the Crusaders are winning because they're brilliantly coached. But we just look clueless. Anybody that thinks Bowden Barrett is still this great player is delusional. He's well past his best. The Blues are a better team without him. And I just hope like hell that once he's had another sabbatical in Japan, New Zealand rugby don't try and throw the kitchen sink to bring him back. Move on. Bring the next young talent through. Like seriously. No problem with Hoskins Tutu not making the All Black 15 or the All Blacks. I just don't think he's tough enough. I just don't think he's hard enough. And I just run through this All Black team they've named and you've got Nepal Lalala in there, you've got Offa Tuangavasi, guys who have just continued to let the All Blacks down in recent times. I just can't see us winning in Argentina in three weeks. I just can't see us beating South Africa here. I mean, there are some good selections. But in all seriousness, what does Sean Stevenson need to do to actually just get in this all-black team, not be there as injury cover? How can you say he's got some defensive deficiencies and yet somehow include Caleb Clark? Caleb Clark is awful on defence. He's not even that busy. It annoys me you provide one rationale for another but ignore it when it comes to another player. And well done to Dallas McLeod, but he should not be in that team, in my opinion, ahead of Jack Goodyear. We're not going to win a Rugby World Cup with Geordie Barrett and Rico Awani as our midfield combination. We're just not. When the pressure goes on, these guys will melt. We saw Rico Awani struggle under huge pressure from the Crusaders on Friday night. And I'm sorry, Geordie Barrett is not a second 5'8". He's a good utility footballer. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one is the number. Hi Graham. Oh good day, uh, Mark. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, I've seen my regards to Steve Devine for me too. I yeah, will, mate. I yeah, him. no, no, no. I heard him yesterday. He was very, he was hilarious. Just yeah, he was. Um, yeah, no, he spoke very well. But yeah, no, no, all good fun. Yeah, no, I enjoyed your um, discussion with Justin. Yeah, I, I mean. Sort of covered with about the game with him and Dean yesterday Friday nights, but yeah, I think you did pick it. You said to me, you know, early last week that um, that you felt that you know even with the Crusaders with their injuries, because things were getting sort of very uh, 
a bit neurotic here in Christchurch with with what was going on. You know, people all people talked about was the injuries, and then the team came out and um, played like that. You know, and as you say, Scott Hudson and you know Richie Mawanga, as Justin pointed out, just ran the cutter. You know, and the forwards a Rolls Royce pack, yeah, but not. Not in terms of, the, in performance, yes, but not in terms of All Blacks, like Sam Whitelock and Eason and all them out. So, yeah, I know Tom Christie and them just, you know, blitz them up front. But with the All Blacks, I, I agree with you 100% about Jack Goodhue. I mean, um, I, 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 a lot of people was a bit down on him, you know, out, um, you know, around the place, sort of outside of the Crusader fan uh, sort of people. Yeah, I just think that he is... The sort of guy that should be there, and I, I don't think Caleb Clark. I think Stevenson should be there. Um, I, you know, I said it right from you know into last year. He was a good player when he played for the New Zealand Maori, and I think he should be there. You know, in that back, in that those guys at the back, like Will Jordan and him, should both be in the team. If he Chiefs fans that have made it into a Stevenson v Jordan argument, but they both should be there. I just don't think Clark. Yeah. Should be there in any shape or form, and um, that, that's just the way I read it. But Jack Goodhue should be there. Yeah. yeah, look, I've got nothing against Dallas McLeod, but I think he was surprised. And I think Dallas McLeod's got all black written all over him. But I think, as Justin said too, you know, it's a big year to take a guy like that and put him in World Cup year. And you know, you do look at the other things. You're going to have to stick with Rico. You've probably got to stick with Geordie Barrett. Anton Leonard Brown has still played 59 tests or so, and uh, we know what he is capable of. And you go, but Goodhue, I just think based on experience, Nels, defensive abilities. To to be here, so if it's not McLeod, then you've got to say you've got to say Braden Enor. One of those two, you know, I, I would have thought I would have thought one of those two for um, for um, Jack Goodhue, but that's clearly the way they haven't seen it. What I think by not picking Sean Stephen, I just think it sends a wrong message to players in this country that go out there, perform every week, be the best you can be, and you'll be an All Black. Well, that's not the case. And, and I'm sorry, don't tell me about his technical deficiencies, and then pick Caleb Clark. Oh, exactly. No, and I think a lot of people. Um, you know, out, you know, even some Blues fans, you know, I know that they think they think that too, and they think that about Bowden Barrett too. For um, you know, that that, that you know, that why are they? I mean, you know, I, I'm pleased, Dallas McLeod, you know, because I think he's he has really, you know, stepped up, you know, because I think he is an All Black written all over him. But I just, yeah, I, I think Enor did, Braden Enor did. Um, did deserve that because I think him and well, once again him and Jack Goodhue, with with David Avili's loss, you know that was quite a big uh, yeah, well, loss for the Crusaders. But they but then again, look at how many games yeah. they've played and together. Well, and, I, I, and I, tell, I, I tell you what though, look, good luck to Ian Foster. I think they've got a hell of a road trip to play Argentina away, hell of a road trip to come back and play South oh, yeah. Africa. We're not great starts to the season. Um, I think there's a bit of pig-headedness in the selections. I don't agree with all of them. I'm not the all-black coaches, but, man, you've got a feel for Stevenson. Um, yeah, I, yeah I, you've got a feel, feel for Goodyear as well. And, I, 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 yeah, they're the two big omissions for me. The rest of it, well, yeah, I, again, I wouldn't have offered to Vasi and I wouldn't have Nepal Lalala there, but no. then it's a case of who do you bring in um, and who is available that hasn't been out through injury. Hey, Graham, look, I've got a full board of calls, mate. So yep, yep. Thank, thank you as always. It is 18 minutes away from eight. Hi, Dean. Yeah, it's getting really hard, actually, when you listen to this all day. It's just so everyone's on the the same talking point. Like the like Dalton possibly would be the only Blues player that I'd have in there. And I don't know what Billy Hartman's got to do either for minutes played. Like, you're, just, you're telling them just take the overseas offer. And 
I don't. I, I just don't get it. Like, well, no, I think Billy Harman's just got to get more Instagram followers, mate. But even that's, that's the point, though. Like, I, mean, I know. It's funny to say that, but the reality is, how many minutes is he playing? He's leading a, a team that up front aren't too bad. We lack a couple of backs, and these backs are in other teams that aren't even going to get on the field, but because there's been injuries this year, they've made names for themselves. Like that wee boy, Rona, was playing placing concrete. He could have been starting for us. Remake Jensen's brother, he would do. Baden Sullivan, they'd all be starting in the 12 shirts of the Hollanders. Like, these guys are owned by the NZRFU. They're not owned by franchises. The franchises can come in and offer them something in their mm. pocket to stay there and play there, but bottom line is the NZRFU own all these guys, and they make cock-up after cock-up. Like, they sent, what was the name of Terry Black went to the Blues. The next day, Bowden Barrett's going up there. Like, one of them should have stayed at the Hurricanes. Bowden must be ruined going. Like a, or he might just be past it. Oh, look, I think I think at this point these guys are more interested in the money. That's why they're heading off to Japan. But New Zealand rugby going forward have just got to stop the fascination with Bowden Barrett. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I, oh, look, I hope I'm 100% wrong, Dean, and I'm not a coward wise after the fact. Oh, I just cannot see us winning this Rugby World Cup with uh, the mindset and some of the rationale that Ian Foster presides and presents when these teams are named. A number of these players that he's picked have just let us down over the last three years and we're trying to somehow turn donkeys into thoroughbreds, mate. And I, I wouldn't blame if a number of the players who have missed out that have only made that all-black 15 just get up and go, you know, uh, and come back Thank and you. haunt us possibly playing for another country. But how you can how you can somehow pick Sean Stevenson apart and not, and not Caleb Clark is just beyond me. And and everyone else that loves the game of rugby union, like it's it's a disgraceful decision. And then to call him in tokenism when a guy's injured anyway, like the guy that's injured can't tackle either. He's unbelievable with the ball in hand, but we aren't going to have much ball. Mm. We're going to have to be no. doing some defending to no. stay in these games, and then hopefully give the back some ball. But they can't be seriously still thinking Rico Yuani's a thirteen. We've been going on about this for oh, four years. And look, now. he's not. He can't feed his outside backs. He just doesn't have that vision. He's great when he's given a little bit of room. He'll look like a superstar when you play up against teams like Fiji and some of these lesser nations where we're going to run 50, 60 points and he'll score four tries and he'll be the man. He'll get an Instagram. He'll put flames coming out of his boots and you know, and that's part of the problem. But look, I think the biggest omission in this whole thing is Jack Goodyear. I genuinely stand by that, and I think Justin Marshall reinforced that as well. Hey. Dean, lovely to have you on the programme, 15 minutes away from mate. We'll come back, we've got Cal from Turingi, and thank you for waiting Cal and anyone else that does want to phone the programme, spare lines 0800 150811 Telephone numbers 0800 150811, giving people an opportunity still to reflect on the All Black selection, the New Zealand 15 or the All Black 15 they've called it, I want to talk on that too, the franchising of the All Black name um, and just, just the absolute stupidity from New Zealand rugby that continues. Hi Cal Ah, uh, Gilly, what you, hey, look, man, I, I just turned back to that Blues Crusaders game. Look, um, we've known for about the last 10 years, we've got real bad, um, I feel sorry for them, we've got real bad paralysis in that type 5, they get driven, there's just no heart there. Look, I, I, don't, I don't want to run them down, but hey, look, do, do you think it's time for a clean-out of that Blues Ford pack? Look, he, he, look, and, and I don't honestly blame them. I go to their their, their, their coach, their management. In that semi-final against the Crusaders, you need a game plan where, okay, even if you go down early, you've got a bit of grunt about you. you, you you're hanging in there. They had nothing. It was it, it, it was damn awful. Look, I tell you what, look, I, I say I don't run anybody down, but that type five, and look, I 
even they, they just had nothing mate no they just lacked intellect they just lacked nous and I think part of the problem is these days the players just don't do anything for themselves they're so over resourced they no longer have to think for themselves I think there are too many coaches involved telling them what to do too but look I think offer to Angavasi I think Nepal Lalara mm. passed their best I think Alex Hodgman was a big loss at the start of the season I think he would have made a real difference you know Marcel Renato I think has come on quite nicely I, I like yeah, Ricky Riccatelli yeah. I've got no problem with Riccatelli um, you know I think there are some quite good locks coming through but yeah I think Tom Robinson I think has been disappointing this season um, you know I've never been a big fan of Hoskins Satudu to me he's just yeah good in the light games but certainly you know he he um, yeah just lacks that real hardness and that real grunt and I just wonder whether he might be better playing at six or somewhere else but yeah, something's got to change. But I, I think we've just got to get over Bowden Barrett. I, I, until we move on from this guy, you know, you look at the difference between Richie Mawanga running that Crusaders team and, mm-hmm. and, and Bowden Barrett running the Blues. I, I mean, mind you, he hardly ever bloody well plays these days because he's always resting because someone's telling him he, he can't play. You know, the whole thing is just an absolute sham, Cal. It, it's, it's just yeah. dreadful. It's just so bloody disappointing. We're going to lose yeah, a rugby. Mate. We're going to lose a rugby world cup too, mate. We are. We're going to lose a rugby world cup with these clowns running the show as well. And then what's left with New Zealand rugby? All black teams crap. Super rugby's crap. Mighty ten rugby's crap. Club rugby's crap. What have we got left? Oh, we'll go and give knighthoods and queen honours to the administrators of the damn game. <laughs> Frustrates the hell out of me, though, mate. It really does. Yeah. Hi, Murray. Hi, Murray. What up? How are you? Good, thank you. I was just thinking, uh, Aidan, nice to hear you back on the air. Um, I don't know how long you've uh, been with SENZ. I was just thinking the last time I spoke to you was after the Stephen Gerrard slip. So that's probably a couple of years ago now. come on, mate. That's a a, a pretty bloody mean way to bring things up. Murray Cross, I thought we had a good relationship. (laughs) I'm just... I'm just trying to remember back. But, hey, you really think the Crusaders are going to get home? Um, oh, I just heard you say about 10 minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, look, I, I, I said it straight after the um, they lost to the Chiefs. I said it to Justin on a weekend show. I said it to Graham from Christchurch as well. I've always said this. I felt when the time was right, the Crusaders will end up getting the job done. Now, I also think that's an indictment on the state of Super Rugby, but it's also just the machine. Now, look at the way they played against the Blues. Look at the injuries they've had. And they just didn't miss a beat. But also, too, I just think the Chiefs... Um, I just think they peaked a little bit too early. I think they played all their cards a little bit too early in the season. I'm not sure I've seen much of an evolution in the way they're playing. Yeah, they don't have injuries, though. So, so it, 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 it's going to be a really interesting battle on Saturday night. Um, and look, I'm Crusaders country, and we were just talking at work today, and as much as we admire what's happening, when you, when you stand back in the big picture, and if you're, you're an outsider looking in, there's no way one franchise should be winning this number of titles. I mean, six, potentially seven, it's, it's exactly right. There's something not right when, when they're able to do that. Um, and what does, it say about, what does it say about the rest of Super Rugby? But I, 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 I'm not a big architect of the game, but I, I did hear uh, Liam McDonald moaning about, well, not moaning, but he was lamenting the, the chances and the space on the edges that they had. And they did get a tryout ride with, with Clark doing that. And um, that was their game plan to go there. But... The, the Crusaders set traps for that. They, they they leave that space and compact in the middle to allow you to think you can do that. And they tried to, the Blues tried to do that last game and it didn't work. You, you've, you've got to move on to something else. And, and just on that, I agree with Bowden. He's, he's past his best. 
He's past his best. He's got to go. Yeah, yeah, but see, Murray, I mean, isn't it? But, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're right. We had space on the edges. But you pick the players, and they clearly can't execute it. I mean, Rico Awani, I'm sorry. The guy's the best winger in the world. He's not the best centre. We have lost a lot of games with that guy at centre playing for the All Blacks. And yet, no, no, they're still telling us that this guy's a centre. He's not. He's a centre when he's got space. He runs well, and he can look flashy. But there's so much more to it. Um yeah, but, but, you know, you're right. I mean, here's um, Papa Leahy coming out and saying, oh, we're just really proud we made the semi-finals." There's only five decent bloody teams in the comp, and you're proud you're one of those five, yeah. one of the four? I mean, yeah, as I say, mate, I just put my hands yeah, in the I've came, just given up on the damn game, mate. Yeah, they, they came down last year. I remember they won, uh, they won in one of the round-robin games, and they played, uh, played down at... Um, here and they played really well. Like that, and Chris Aders came back and it was very close, and they deserved to win the Blues. But I, I just don't. I haven't seen them evolve this year, and you can sense the frustration. But oh well, we roll on another final for the Crusaders. Mm, yeah, well, good luck and enjoy it. Hey Murray, thank you for phoning. And um, yeah, we've moved on since the Stephen Gerrard thing, mate. <laughs> you've won that. You've won the Champions League since then. So no. Oh, stress. and I think we won the EPL title after that eventually, didn't we? We did. We did. We won it a few years yeah, back. Yeah, you did. Uh, lovely to chat, Murray. Thank you. It is four minutes away from eight. We'll continue the discussion after eight. Welcome into SENZ, counting down to coverage of day four of the Ashes Test between Australia and England. Absolutely compelling television, absolutely compelling listening. We'll talk a little bit about that after nine o'clock. But the lines are open on 0800 150 811. You can text us here on 8833. Right, final opportunity for people to have their say on this all-black team that's named the Blues and just how bloody woeful they were on Friday night and also the All Black 15. Where to start? Where to start? Okay, let's firstly start with the Blues. Absolutely embarrassing. Largest city in the country. Rich history. So much promise coming into the season and yet they just waved the white flag. The fascination with Bowden Barrett has got to stop, not just with the Blues, but also with New Zealand rugby. This guy is heading to Japan next year. Let him go. Stop wasting money trying to bring him back and trying to somehow sign him to a future New Zealand rugby contract. Give the number 10 jersey to Stephen Perifeta and let's move on. Finlay Christie had his worst game I've seen for a long time. Mark Talia got found out on defence on a number of occasions. How much of a concern should that be for the All Blacks? Big fan of Caleb Clark because he went through Mount Abbott Grammar School. They have a lot of time for his dad, Ronnie. But how he can get into the All Blacks and Sean Stevenson can't, and the rationale for Sean Stevenson missing out is that he needs to work more on his defence, is just laughable. Absolutely laughable. Nepo Laulala off a Tuangavasi, just simply too slow at getting to the breakdown. Good scrummages, but that's unfortunately where it stops. And you need to be more than that. You need to be multi-dimensional. Rico Awani, what is the fascination with this guy? Do you have to have a hundred thousand Instagram followers, and then your Teflon? Nothing sticks. I don't know how many fans he's got on social media, but there must be a lot because I'm trying to 
find some sort of rationale on why everybody is so adamant that he's the all-black centre. He was awful on Friday night too. No sympathy really for Hoskins Satudu. I've never really seen what the fuss is about him. Looks good again against lesser teams. I think would be good in a sevens environment, but when it really comes down to it, he just doesn't get the go forward in the big games. Just doesn't get across that advantage line. And I think Luke Jacobson for the Chiefs has been all over him this season. And Luke Jacobson thoroughly deserves to be in that all-black squad. 0800 150 We named this thing called the All Black 15. Can we stop franchising the word All Black? It is not an All Black team. It is a New Zealand 15. The Sevens team is not the All Black Sevens. We've got a billion dollar brand potentially in the All Blacks. And once you start attaching it to lesser teams, you start to bastardise and cheapen that All Black brand. Let me give you an example of this. I was studying in Canada. And I spent a lot of time there and I got close, I had some very good Canadian friends and we'd spend a lot of time talking about sport and I'd upskill them on the All Blacks. And they were aware of who the All Blacks were and they knew of the aura that surrounded them. I don't know, 10 years ago, I got an email or chatting with one of them, I can't remember which, and they said, oh, I see the All Blacks lost to Fiji. And didn't they also lose to us, Canada? And I said, no. No, they did, definitely. And they sent me a link. And what it was, it was the All Black Sevens team. I said, yeah, but that's Sevens. But, but they're the All Blacks, aren't they? I said, no, no, they're Sevens. And then I had to explain the difference. And they said, oh, okay. And that is the problem. People around the world who don't know rugby can't differentiate. They just see the word All Blacks. Now, if you beat the All Black Sevens, of course you're going to report it as we beat the All Blacks because it's good for you, it's good for your kudos. And so now we've got the All Black 15 who go to Japan. So if they lose in Japan to the Japanese, All Blacks lose to Japan. That gets reported around the world. Suddenly the aura of the All Blacks, the invincibility, well, it's no longer invincible in the eyes of a lot of people who don't know any better. If you're going to attach All Black to any team, you make sure they've got the same resources and you make sure that there is an expectation on winning, that losing is unacceptable. But there is only one All Black team. And we've taken this big cash grab, haven't we? And as part of that, as part of that, we've franchised the name. And it's going to get us into trouble in the long term. It already has. It's the New Zealand Sevens team, and it's the New Zealand A team or the New Zealand 15, but it's not an all-black team. All of these people paid in New Zealand rugby, all of these corporates, all of these big business types, the board that sit there with their big CVs, and yet none of them, none of them, have the ability to see the danger and potential damage they're doing to the very thing that generates their income. See, I did time with Nike. I used to work for Nike. Now, you're dealing with a billion-dollar brand there. You will not find Nike clothing in the warehouse unless it's been parallel imported. You will not see Nike clothing these days being sold for $10 or discounted heavily. The quality of their product is exceptional now. They understand their brand. They understand who they are. They're about performance. They're about precision. Their clothing is almost equipment now. It is highly functional. And that's where the All Blacks should be positioning himself and staying. But what we are doing, we are slowly happy to put our brand into the warehouse, aren't we? We're happy to just, you know, 
take some of the prestige out of it, all in the sh- all in the short term cash grab. It's just one more thing why rugby in this country and why those running New Zealand rugby are continuing to put it down the gurgler. If you want to comment on that, 0800-150-811. Now, let's start with the All Black 15. Let's start with the actual All Black team that's been named. How does Sean Stevenson miss out on this All Black team? What has he done? Who's he upset? He has been, without doubt, the best player alongside of Richie Mawanga for Super Rugby this season. You ask players to stay loyal. You ask players not to take the big contracts overseas. He has done everything right, and he only makes this All Black squad as injury cover. Ian Foster has the audacity to come out and say that he is weak in defence, that he's got deficiencies on defence, yet at the same time picks Caleb Clark. Unbelievable. Dallas McLeod, congratulations on becoming an All Black, but it should be next year, not this year. Not at the expense of Jack Goodyear. Do not underestimate what that guy brings to a game of rugby. We need experience. We need a bit of age. And we need players who have been there in the past. Now, Anton Leonard-Brown, Jack Goodyear were part of that semi-final all-black team that lost to England in 219. But four years on, they're better for that experience. And they offer more than Braden Enor, and they offer more than Dallas McLeod. You sort of get the feeling with... Ian Foster, your all-black midfield is going to be Geordie Barrett and Rico Awani. We are not going to win a Rugby World Cup with that midfield. We are just not. They will get exposed against quality opposition. They'll get exposed defensively. They'll get exposed offensively, as was the case on Friday night for Rico Awani. The best winger in the world, he is not a centre. He doesn't have the vision, doesn't have the ability to feed his outside backs. And how many tests have we lost in the last four years or three years with that guy playing at centre? 0800 150811 is the number. Love to get your thoughts on this one. Then you go into the forward pack. We cannot continue with Offa Tuangavasi. We cannot continue with Nepo Laulala. Yes, admittedly, there are a number of injuries. Biggest loss, in my opinion, Ethan Blackadder. Dalton Papalihi, solid, played well on Friday night, one of the few Blues that did, but has been hit and miss. Luke Jacobson, congratulations to him, deserves to be there. Sam Kane, well, maybe he is coming into his own. He does bring that experience. Samapini Finau for the Chiefs. Yep, don't really have a problem with his selection. Shannon Brazell, never really been convinced. But what is the fascination with Bowden Bloody Barrett? Seriously. 0800 150 811 is the number. Players unavailable due to injury. Angus Ta'aval. Well, I wouldn't have him in my all black team, full stop, ever. Ever, in my opinion, should never have played for the All Blacks. Nice guy, lovely guy, not an All Black. Cullen Grace. You're not convinced about his physicality. 
David Havili, I think a big loss. Joe Moody, clearly a big loss. George Bauer, a big loss. Patrick Tupolodo, a big loss. Quinn Tupaya, well, just reinforces the fact that we need Jack Goodyear in there. I don't think we lose too much without the services of Seve Reese and TJ Perinara. My thoughts on this all-black team, yours. 0800 150 811. Have your say. Lines are open. Jump on the phone. You can text us here on double eight double three. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more. 16 minutes after 8, 0800 150 uh, Look, just want to talk about just the state of the union in this country. Does anybody believe the All Blacks are going to win a World Cup with Ian Foster and the team that he's picked? I think the players are there, but with what we've seen from him in regards to his starting 15, it's a case of I just don't think you can put back in what God left out. What's more of a concern, though, is you look at the Super Rugby competition. Once again, probably the Crusaders are going to win this, and the Chiefs have been good. Blues were awful. You've got Popolihi coming out, jumping up and down and going, hey, but we're really proud we made the semifinals. You've got five decent teams and you're happy because you made the semifinals. The Blues are awful. The Highlanders were awful. So what have we got left now? Three teams that we're picking the All Blacks from? Three teams that we're picking the All Blacks from? Pretty scary, isn't it? That rugby in New Zealand's being reduced to three teams. What if we don't win the Rugby World Cup? What have we got left in this country? What have we got left? A super rugby competition that's crap. An NPC nobody gives a damn about. Club rugby where every second club seems to be amalgamating with another club just so that they can put teams out on the park. Schoolboy rugby's in crisis. No kid wants to play because of the size issue and concussion issue, so they're all playing basketball or all playing soccer or alternative sports. And we've got the administrators have got their head in the sand, along with their corporate broadcast partner, Sky, trying to make out everything's okay. When it's clearly not. And we just expected to sit there and take it. No one asks any hard questions anymore. It's all just sycophantic rubbish. Now, why isn't someone at that press conference and challenging Ian Foster on the rationale he provides on Sean Stevenson not being that good defensively and then challenge him on Caleb Clark and show the hypocrisy and the stupidity in his answer? What, because you might not get another interview and might not be invited to a press conference again? I just get, I'm just so saddened with where the game's gone. I'm just so saddened by how top-heavy it is. I'm disgusted by the player power. You know, no wonder the Blues couldn't make any decisions. They don't have to think for themselves anymore. Someone to carry their bags. We've got a line-out coach. We've got a scrum coach. We've got a backs coach. We've got a forwards coach. We've got an overall coach. We've got a nutritionist. We've got someone in the background telling them that, oh, by the way, you might want to have something outside of rugby like a degree in case you get injured. You know, people employed to tell them the obvious things most people know. And then when under pressure, it's going, yeah, yeah, but what do we do now? They haven't seen the message down from upstairs. Well, should we pick and go or should we continue to play the expense again? What should we do? 
you know, unbelievable. Unbelievable. 0800 150811. I hope Sean Stevenson, if he doesn't get a decent crack in the All Blacks, just takes the big contract and goes overseas. Just goes. Do what James Lowe did. End up playing for Ireland and come back and haunt us. The guy would walk into any side in the world, mate. You know, I, I just scratch my head. Oh, Ian Foster, we got the team to win the World Cup. Can we beat France in the opening game? Nah. Can we beat South Africa or Ireland in a quarterfinal? Going to have to be on our game. Richie Mawanga, he'll start at first five. But if he gets injured, it starts to look pretty jittery, doesn't it? Geordie Barrett at second five. Rico Awani at centre. It's not quite Conrad Smith. Is it at centre? It's not quite Martin Nonu. Firepower out wide, but you start Caleb Clark, we're in trouble defensively. Love Caleb. Mount Abbott Grammar Boy followed his career, but I think he's a work in progress. I think there's no work that he needs to do. I don't think he gets involved enough. I thought he was awful for the Blues. Hanging out there, not getting involved. Mark Talia was exposed defensively on the week on Friday night. He was awful. Worst game he's played. And yet the one guy who's consistently good week in, week out, gets the is injury cover. Sean Stevenson. And what is the fatuation with Dallas McLeod? He's a good player. He's playing in a hell of a side. But really good enough to get ahead of Jack Goodyear? Well done to Tamaiti Williams for making the team. Agree with that selection. But what is the fascination seriously with Nepo Laulala and Offa Tuangavasi? When was the last time those two performed for the All Blacks? other than maybe at scrum time. But in terms of in and around the park, useless, hopeless, too slow. Terrible ball carrying forwards. Still not convinced Terrell, Terrell Lomax is everything he's made out to be. No problem with Ethan De Groot. No problem with the hookers that we've picked. I think Cody Taylor, Dane Coles have all played brilliantly in Super Rugby this season. And so Missoni Takiahau, without doubt, the breakthrough player last year. 0800-150811 is the number. Text that's come in. Under Foster and Kane, there's no way we will win the World Cup. Selection a mess. Great talk. Are you guys keeping your eye on the Colts, mate? We play Wales Sunday morning. Yeah, and we've got to finish too. We've got to play France. Oh, I just don't think the Colts are that good either. I'll give you the example. I've said this a couple of times, but we had Gordon Simpson in studio doing the Hurricane show, right? And Gordon, you know, New Zealand schools, I think he played under 20s. He um, ended up going to Scotland and played 22 tests for them. His school is Rosmini in Auckland. Um, he heard that when it came to winter enrolments, and Rosmini is a big, big rugby school historically on Auckland's North Shore, them and Westlake, the great rivalry. This year for rugby enrolments, they had 70 kids. 
360 enrolled to play basketball. The game is in trouble, man. The game is in real, real trouble. And I just... When is somebody going to actually recognise it? When's actually somebody going to come out within that administration and admit that the previous administration and this current administration have strategically got it wrong? It is so top-heavy. You know, I, I was talking to a friend the other day. They've got a kid who's 11. He's playing under 12s, and here he is still coming up against a kid who was 90 kilograms, 12 years of age and 90 kilograms. How is that allowed to happen at junior rugby? The kid should be put up two grades. How is that allowed to happen? And we wonder why kids, smaller kids, kids who haven't developed are just not wanting to play the game or parents not wanting them to play the game. How are you expected to tackle a kid that size when you're 11 or 12 without fear of getting concussed, knocked out? And what's it actually do for the large kid who's just running through everyone? Oh, he's the star of the game? Yeah, what about in five years' time when everybody catches up to him and he doesn't grow anymore? And everyone's gravitated away from him his entire rugby career because he's always been the man. Another text, the biggest concern in the All Black selection is the ongoing fixation with Bowden Barrett. He should be not anywhere near the 23, yet I fear he will start at 15. Agree. I'm sorry. The Blues are a better team without him. He did nothing on Friday night. He did nothing when they lost to the Crusaders in the regular season. Part of the problem is He's been rested and he's been rotated and he's sat games out and he hasn't played consistently. What's even more stupid is the fact that New Zealand rugby and Bowden Barrett are possibly in discussions to re-sign him after he's had another stint in Japan. Just go, mate. Take the money and go. And take the damn administration with you too. And please, Sky Television, start having these conversations because no one's watching you either. You've got as much to lose as anyone. The interest in the game is waning. How much money have you spent on rugby rights, on a product that's in decline? Show me any business model in the world where you spend so much time on a product that's in decline. You know, is the Rubik Cubes as popular now as it was in the 1980s? No, it's not. It's had its time. It's moved on. People have moved on. You've got to try and reinvent yourself. Twenty-six and a half minutes after eight. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Twenty-nine minutes away from nine. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Some good texts that have come in, which I'll get to in a moment. We've got Andrew who's phoning all the way from Wanaka. Hi, Andrew. Okay, how are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. Yeah, you, you brought up about twenty different things here, so not sure where to start. But uh, you know, I might put up an avid uh, All Blacks fan myself, but. Uh, like yourself, I'm sort of uh, weaning off it a little bit. Uh, my biggest frustration, and I don't like to blame referees, but, you know, I watched that Chiefs game on the weekend and the ref seemed to have his whistle in his pocket and it made such a massive difference to the game and the flow was so much better, whereas, you know, you give the whistle to Angus Gardner, he blows it every five minutes and it's, 
that's what I think is wrecking the game. It's it's, it's boring. Um, and, you know, you have someone like a Dane Coles. I can't believe he's made the All Blacks. He's just going to give away five penalties in the whole game and we'll probably lose it because of his hothead. I just... He's hardly even played. I can't even understand why the guys in the team. Yeah, just going firstly to your first point. Look, the rules of rugby is what prevents people from playing it. There's a reason why basketball and football are so popular because they're really simple. Everybody gets their hands on it and everybody can follow it. Uh, rugby, I mean, you're right. The interpretations every week are just different. And it's just another thing that clearly added on to everything I've just said is another reason why the game is in decline. Um, yeah, look, the whole... Yeah, sticking with these veterans, sticking with these guys that we've had in the All Blacks for, what, 10, 12 years. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I think we'll get us into trouble, Andrew, and you're right, discipline's going to be yeah. a key part. Getting sent off, yellow cards, red cards, are, I think are ultimately going to determine the Rugby World Cup too, which I think is another shame. Um, but also, too, I can't understand why we have to have Australian referees when we've got New Zealand teams... You know, when we've got a New Zealand team, or when we've got the Crusaders and, and the Blues, why not just a New Zealand referee when there's two New Zealand teams playing? Yeah, totally agree. And, and you know, even bring in some of the courts, you know, we always seem to struggle with the French and the English referees as well. Well, let's get them over here and, and you know, do a bit of a cross, across, um, you know, some of our guys go over there as well because the interpretations are so different. And remembering, our rules are different to what they are in Europe as well. So, you know, you've got the Europeans playing with one set of rules and we're playing with another. How does that make World Cup any decent either? When, you know, it's just really bizarre. Let's let test the New Zealand that these rules are going to work. Uh, you know what the other, but, but Andrew, you know what the frustration for me is for the All Blacks. You know, we get a guy like Ian Foster in, who in his first two years is pretty average, but he falls back on that default team. Oh, I think we're building nicely for the World Cup. So what we've said is, hey, NPC is not what it once was. We'll allow for rest and rotation in Super Rugby. We'll get rid of the South Africans. So there's only really five good teams now in the comp. So we've basically killed that. There's one or two clashes you look forward to. We've had two sellouts the entire season across Australia and New Zealand, and yeah. one of those sellouts is 17,000-seat stadium in Christchurch, right? And then, and, yeah. the, and, and then, and, and then, you know, and apparently it's okay for the All Blacks to lose as long as we win the Rugby World Cup. So what we've reduced it to is once every four years. You've even got a feeling that Ian Foster, if we lose to Argentina and South Africa, it'll oh don't worry about it. We'll right the wrongs by the time we get to the World Cup. And I'm like, no, it's not acceptable. I don't don't care what time when the All Black teams go out in the field, you do not lose. No, exactly. The mentality, eh? Well, well it is. It is. But, um, but you're also got a brand you have to protect, and don't underestimate that. No, absolutely. The, the other thing is, is you know we've got these tests against Australia, Argentina, and South Africa coming up with this team that he's selected now. You know, I almost you know put my house on. There's going to be at least ten reasonable injury during that team. Who, who that is, I've got no idea. Um, but the second five guy you mentioned earlier, you know, he's, he's a great player, but man, he's a liability. He's always injured. Look, he's had a terrible run of injuries. There's no doubt about it. Look, the, the guy is just an absolutely wonderful human being. He, he won't be... He'll, t- he'll take it in the stride that he's being dropped from the All Blacks. But when he's fit, and he's starting to show that he's back, and he's you know like no no different than what we've no different than what we've seen from Will Jordan. 
But I, I, take, yeah. I, I would still have him in my midfield over Dallas McLeod and over Braden Enor. Yeah, I, I don't know what they see in Braden, Braden Eno. He, he's, uh, he's an average player at the best of times. So we've definitely got better guys out there. And, you know, um, Ioane, he's way better out on the wing, like you said. He's awesome winger, but just not a good centre. Um, but what about this guy, Josh Lord? What, what, you sort of see him around, but you don't really know a lot about the guy, eh? What, what's he like? Big, big man, very tall. I think he um, might just be the tallest guy in the country. Look, big promise, but he's another one who's been just plagued by injuries, so we just haven't seen him consistently. Um, and, but, but talking to Ian Jones and talking to guys that I work with, they do have big raps on him. So I don't, I'm not so concerned by his selection. Um, I think the biggest loss at the moment is Ethan Blackadder and just hope he can get over his injuries and get back into yeah. this team at some point. Ethan reminds me very much of a um, hard-nosed, abrasive, never takes a backward step. But unfortunately, because of that, he's always injured because he's just so damn hard, you know? And he just reminds me a lot like old squire that plays for the Highlanders. Yeah, and I mean, he's not... You know, he's not Jerry Collins, but he's got the, but he's got that energy that a Jerry Collins brought too. You know, and he's got look. He he yep. is. You know, when you look at when you look at, I mean, he's already severe again, isn't he? He's a guy that you know is going to get across the advantage line. And if you're going to have Sam Kane and you're loose, then I think you've got to have. You can't have two Sam Kanes and you're loose and just rely purely on Artie severe. You've got to have another mobile yep. Lucy, and I think he brings that, eh? Yeah, yeah. Now uh, in Brazil, you know. He's been playing with a pretty average team. Um, hopefully he can step it up, but he's, like you say, he's a bit hit and miss, but I guess he can play lock as well. Um, but, yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I, I, like, I like what you said about Laulala and Tonga Fossi. I think they're both pretty weak props, really, and not sure what they bring to the team. But, you know, we've got some pretty good props out there at the moment, but um, lots of injuries too, I guess. Yeah, well, they identified that area, you know, the front rowers, ball-carrying front rowers, Steve McDowell-type players from yesteryear. And um, I think we got so so infatuated with just scrummaging that I think our players got so big in the gym they just lost that art of mobility. And I'm still not sure yeah. where the mobility is in this all-black team. I think Ethan DeGroote, yes. I'm not absolutely convinced on Lomax. I think Tamaiti Williams is a good selection, but can he take his super rugby form to all-black level, which is, you know, it's not always the case for some players. Yeah, well, I guess that's why we can test them out, you know. Argentina, Australia, now, I wouldn't be taking Australia lightly. I think they'll be a pretty good team in South Africa. If you can, if you can mix it with those three teams, then you're going to do reasonable, I think, at the World Cup. But, but like I say, unfortunately, I think it's going to go and come down to a couple of refs' calls and... Whether you like it or not, that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? You know, again, there you did inadvertently talking about, oh, we can experiment in these three games. And this is what annoys me is the fact that we will experiment. I, I, look, I could see us losing all three of those tests, to be honest. I really could. Yep, I could too. Yep. Yep, absolutely. We're not great starters. I mean, Remember, I think it was Fiji last year who, you know, Fiji of all things almost rattled us last year. <laughs> Was it two years ago? Yeah. Early in the season, we got Argentina and South Africa straight up. Yeah, Fiji and Fiji is always hard to beat, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, no, brilliant, brilliant, Andrew. Hey, lovely to have you on the program, mate. Don't be a stranger. Bye, to, don't be a stranger to the show. Thank you. It is twenty-one. It is twenty-one minutes away from nine o'clock. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Just some texts that have come in. Um, hi, Watto. What is Foster's obsession? with players that can play multiple positions. Bowden Barrett's best days are well behind him. There is a lack of fly halves in the country. Very worrying. That comes from Josh. Isn't it? I mean, you go back to the days of the Blues. You had Bryn Gatlin, you had O'Terry Black, Harry Plummer, Stephen Perifetta, and then you bring in Bowden Barrett. And then you go down and you have a look at the Highlanders and they've got zero depth at first five. Now, why is that talent not being spread around? Why is that some of that talent deciding to head offshore? Is it because once these athletes establish a brand, we don't know how to let go of them? We can't see the wood through the trees anymore. We can't see clarity that perhaps their form has dropped off. Perhaps they are past their use-by date. Someone says here, Bowden Barrett, and I agree with this, has never been able to read the game, control the game, or change a game plan. He was gifted with amazing speed, and that made him look Good. Great talk, mate. Peter Luckeye may come out of the under-20s World Cup as the player of the tournament. Hell of a season last year for Wellington, didn't he, Peter Luckeye? Oh, hi, Watto. So correct, mate. Foster dumbing it down. Super rugby is a bit ho now. Uh, no South African teams. Blackout are needed. That comes from Anthony. Thank you, Anthony. Keep the texts coming. Double eight, double three. Lines are open. Jump on the phone. I think talkback's a better experience when you do phone the program. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number. Coming up to 14 minutes away from 9 o'clock, 0800 150811. Last and probably final opportunity for you to have your say on the All Black selection, the All Black 15. Why are we attaching the word All Black to a team that's not the All Blacks? You just cheapen the brand if that team doesn't win. Because it gets reported around the world as All Blacks lose. They often drop an All Black 15. So if you're living in Canada, Europe... You don't know rugby that well, but you know of the All Blacks and you, you've and you've got connotations of the aura that surrounds it. Suddenly, that aura is diminished, and that brand is just that cheapened a little bit more. We've seen it in sevens. I've had people, friends overseas, telling me how the All Blacks have lost to Fiji, how the All Blacks have lost to the United States and Canada, and I've had to correct them and say, no, no, that's just in sevens. They don't know the difference. And this is part of this commercial deal they've done. It's dumb business. You go and look at the McDonald's, you go and look at the big brands in the world and how um, carefully and how detailed and how managed their brands are. The way the McDonald's M is used, the colours, the way the Nike swoosh is used. You know, I worked at Nike for two or three years and I understand brand management through spending time there. And I'll give you some examples. Nike wouldn't allow athletes, and that's why you see when Nike sponsor uh, their runners, sponsor their tennis players, uh, the big, big contracts, there is nothing else on their clothing. It's just the Nike swoosh. That is because they're not a billboard. They look at their clothing as functional. They look at their clothing as equipment. They don't want their logo being bastardised. They don't want their gear being bastardised. They will not put Nike gear 
in cheap retailers. They will not discount unless it's off-season or out-of-season stock. You know, have a look at the damage that has been recently done to Bud Light in America when they started to go down the path of using um, a transgender personality, I think it was, for what historically has been a bloke's beer, rightly or wrongly. It just has backfired big time. Big time. They've lost billions. They've lost huge market share. And so you've got to protect your brand when it's a big brand. And the All Black brand is the biggest brand in world rugby. Part of the reason why the All Black brand is so big is because of the precision performance and no compromise aspect of that rugby team. Their winning record. It's unacceptable to lose. But what have we had happen in recent times? We've said it's okay to lose as long as we win the Rugby World Cup. We've attached the word All Blacks to losing teams, whether it be Sevens, whether it be the New Zealand 15, or which was historically the New Zealand A team. Now we've lost a lot of tests under Ian Foster. I can actually see us losing the rugby championship. I'm not convinced we're going to get up over Argentina and Argentina. South Africa at Mount Smart Stadium, not great starters. And then Australia. Don't underestimate the Australians. Should have beaten us in Melbourne last year if it wasn't for some unusual refereeing. Saw the Brumbies and both the Reds push the Chiefs pretty hard in the last couple of weeks. They'll also draw on some players from overseas as well. If you want to phone the program, 0800 150811, you can text us here on 8833. We are counting down to Ashes coverage, day four of this first Ashes test. I tell you what, it's great theatre, it's great sport, isn't it? And I find myself riveted to it, and yet my country, New Zealand's not involved. But these two countries are keeping test cricket well and truly alive. It's already got a lot of niggle. And I'd probably say, looking at the end of day three, that Australia probably have their noses in front, even though England lead by 35 runs. They are two wickets down. More overhead, more overcast conditions, I think, forecast, which will make it very difficult for the batsmen, particularly against a very good Australian pace attack. Got to say, and I really support England, but I am hoping England can beat Australia in this series. Maybe because of the Brendan McCullum connection and maybe just for the fact that the Australians are just, well, they're just bad sports, aren't they? They just don't endear themselves. There's always so much niggle. They're a nasty bunch. They win, but they never seem to win with a lot of humility. But then that's what makes them Australia. That's the appeal. That's their brand. They know who they are. And I wouldn't want to see them come out and get all woke. There's a bit of mongrel in the Aussies. Where I think when you look at English sport, particularly rugby, there's just a lot of um, arrogance where I'm not sure that history and their results necessarily allow them to be arrogant. I've got to say, I do like English football as well. 
I think the point of my little uh, editorial is I just can't stand English rugby at all. Uh, any thoughts that you've got? I do, after 9 o'clock, want to touch on the US Golf Open as well. I found myself uh, watching large parts of that today in and out of various meetings. It's a great insight into sports psychology, the back nine of a golfing major. Seeing the best players in the world, some handle the pressure, some get the yips, some snatch defeat from the jaws of victory and others snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. What it did just highlight to me is Michael Campbell's success back in 2005. And I was thinking about that today, thinking is that might just be, that might just be the greatest achievement in New Zealand sport by a New Zealander winning the US Golf Open back in 2005 when you think about Tiger Woods, Māori boy from Tatahi Bay, going on and winning the US Golf Open when you realise just how big golf is globally, how big a business it is. And do we truly appreciate that moment? We might look at that after nine o'clock. I will bring Ben Francis into the programme too. We'll find out what he's been doing. He's been down in Queenstown having a bit of a break. Always a nice part of the country. I think Justin Marshall is down there as well. Um, I understand the weather's been good. Mind you, the weather in Auckland's been not too bad. And uh, two, if you just want to um, tell us who you think's going to win between the Crusaders and the Chiefs. I said this about, I don't know, Straight after the Crusaders-Chiefs round-robin game when the Crusaders lost narrowly in Hamilton, I still felt the Crusaders would go on and win this tournament. I wasn't as convinced at the start of last week when I saw the ongoing injuries. Um, but I'm even more convinced off the back of that performance against a woeful Blues team. Where to for the Blues? It, it doesn't surprise me. I've got a lot of time for Andrew Hall, the CEO of the Blues. But... They're an organisation incredibly hard to deal with when it comes from a media point of view, trying to get people on your show. I just don't know whether the environment in Auckland is the right one. But I think the biggest issue facing Auckland, and I know it's right across the country, is the involvement of the Players Association and I think the teams are just so over-resourced now that I think these players are put up on too much of a pedestal, given too much, overcoached, and they've all become a bit one-dimensional, both mentally and physically. Michael Holdsworth, a very nice text. Thank you. I tune in to listen to my favourite station. What's it on fire tonight? Your favourite listen, Michael. Thank you, uh, Michael. Greatly appreciate it, mate. And I do appreciate you texting into the programme and hope you are enjoying it and understand that if you don't always agree with me, mate, um, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing sometimes. That's what it should be. It should be a discussion. You know, we've got to have freedom of speech in this country. Coming up to four minutes away from nine after nine o'clock, we count down to live coverage of day five, uh, day four of the first test of the Ashes from Edgebaston between Australia and England. Telephone numbers 0800 150811. You are listening to SENZ counting down to the fourth day of the first test from Edgebaston between Australia and England in the Ashes. 
It is compelling test. It is beautifully balanced. And it is just the first of five intriguing test matches. It is arguably what I would describe as appointment viewing, which I say really these days when it comes to a lot of sport that we do view. England in their first innings, 393. There's a prize declaration for just eight wickets. Australia, in reply, come out to bat, 386, all out. England, second innings, 28 for two. Australia strike in patches between bad weather, overcast conditions. England lead by 35 runs with eight wickets. Two days remain. You'd imagine we'll have a better idea sometime early tomorrow morning New Zealand time in regards to which way this first test is going. There's been plenty of niggle, which I agree with, which I like. You would have heard me say this previously. I am sick and tired of sport treating us like we're all nuns, like we're all of the highest moral standing and that we don't have a taste for any negativity, that we don't have a taste for a scandal, when quite the opposite. We love every minute of it. We love a punch-up. We love a bit of niggle. We love the sledging because we are flawed. And if you think I'm wrong, why do so many people, particularly women, who I think are kinder and more generous than most men, watch Married at First Sight? They watch it because it's a bloody train wreck. Why are man's defeats on the front pages of the newspapers and man's victories on the back? Because people love to read negativity. People love chaos and carnage. And so sport actually needs to position itself a little bit more along those lines going forward rather than, oh, we're targeting the family. Sport is not church on a Sunday. And well done to both teams for creating plenty of theatre and plenty of talking points. Sport needs multiple narratives. It can't just be the game in the middle of the park these days if it's to be successful. Uh, we've had been discussion in and around the All Black selection. Biggest talking point for me, Sean Stevenson, only been in there as injury cover. Uh, Ian Foster saying, look, there's still some areas defensively he needs to work on. Yet at the same time, they pick Caleb Clark, who I think is woeful on defence, and I just don't think is busy enough as a footballer. And that's hard for me to say, because he's a good man up at Grammar Boy, and I've enjoyed watching his career and his progression. But I'm just being honest. Uh, we had Justin Marshall on between 7 and 7.30, and I think his really surprised that Jack Goodyear's not part of this team, particularly in midfield, where I think we're need going to need some experience. We're going to need some really good, solid defence. We are not going to win a Rugby World Cup, are we, with Geordie Barrett and Rico Awani as our midfield combination. We're just not. Not enough else. Not the defensive qualities required. And I just don't think have a natural inclination on how to change a game plan. A lot of players that have been picked who I think have let the All Blacks down in the last three or four years, but... It's that case, isn't it? Well, if we don't pick them, who do we pick? There are a lot of injuries. But I am surprised that Nepo Laulala and Offa Tuangavasi continue to make this all-black lineup. Good scrummages, but that's about it. Hands let them down, not busy enough, don't have the work rate, don't seem to be able to get the turnovers. And I think props need to be multi-dimensional these days. Uh, if you want to have your say, 0800 150 811. 
Um, I found myself today watching the US Open. I had a few meetings, so I was sort of in and out. And I think what made this a little bit different is the fact that it finished at about 2 o'clock. Normally it's sort of about 11 o'clock. I won't watch the first three days of a golfing major, but I do gear myself up for the back nine or the last 12 holes of a golfing major. It is just the best theatre. Watching players just capitulate under the pressure, watching other players get on a bit of a run, the stories that go with it, the mental scars that will haunt some players for the rest of their lives and the breakthrough moments for those that end up getting the job done. And it was a really nice story today regarding Wyndham Clark holding his nerve to win this. Out of Boulder, Colorado, mum died when he was 19. was a freshman at school, I think, I heard, when Rory McIlroy won his first golfing major championship. McIlroy ends up finishing second, one shot behind. Wyndham Clark looked like he was going to fall apart on holes, I think 15, 16 and 17, but found a way to get it done. And again, it was great theatre, it was great drama. Good for the game of golf. What it highlighted for me is just how big an achievement it was for Michael Campbell to win the US Golf Open back in 2005. I think that is up there with our greatest ever sporting achievement. I know that we've won a lot of Olympic medals. I get that. But he had to beat Tiger Woods. He had to beat a very good group of golfers in a very, very tough era of golf. When you think about how big the sport is globally, I mean, you go to every major airport in the world and there's some sort of golf shop somewhere, isn't there, within the airports? You see how many people play the game. And here he is, a Māori boy from Tatahi Bay in Wellington, growing up, playing on golf courses where sheep would wander across the greens and the fairways, and you win the US Golf Open. Bob Charles, yeah, admittedly won the Open Championship, but that was back in the 1960s. I'm not sure the game was as global and as popular as it was in 2005. When you see what it means to these American players to win the US Open, you see the crowds. It's one hell of an achievement from Michael Campbell. really was. You look at all the great golfers that have never won a major championship. Has there been a bigger sporting moment by an individual in the history of New Zealand sport? Great Olympic moments. John Walker, 1976, for a whole lot of reasons, I think is up there. But it's one of many medals at an event where there are a lot of medals on offer across so many disciplines. I mean, Walker's there. The boycott of 76 and the pressure that he was under being a New Zealander after the All Blacks forced 26 African nations not to participate. Yet Peter Snell clearly winning the double back in 1964, Lisa Carrington in more recent times. But the sport of golf... Huge participation numbers, huge number of players trying to make it professionally. 
got to hold your nerve for four solid days, 72 holes. And Campbell managed to find a way to do it. Ryan Fox, I think he's capable of winning a major championship, but I think he needs to get fitter. I just don't think he's as fit as he could be, and I'm not sure he wants to get fitter. I'm not sure, and I'm, this might be tough on him. I, look, lovely guy by all accounts, puts himself up for New Zealand, you know, he's always available to talk to, and comes across really well. But if you look at the modern golfer, they spend a lot of time in the gym. They look more and more like athletes. I'm not sure I can say that about Ryan Fox. He's a little bit of old school look about him. And I just wonder if he was aerobically a bit fitter, we might see him more consistent in days three and four. Well, he starts the tournament well, doesn't he? And then just tends to just sort of drop off a little bit. I always say this, the fitter you are aerobically, the greater clarity you have mentally and how much of golf is mental once you've got the technical skills. A lot. 0800 150 811 is the number. Uh, Peter texting in saying, Michael Campbell. Come on, Otto, Michael Campbell, it was a fluke. What else has he done? Well, he actually has won a few tournaments, Michael Campbell. But you don't fluke winning the US Open. You don't fluke four days and beat Tiger Woods. You can fluke a hole in one. So he had one PGA Tour win, eight European Tour wins, one Asian Tour win. He had seven wins on the Australasian Tour and three Challenge Tour victories. He also tied for third at the Open Championship back in 1995 and tied for sixth at the US PGA Championship. So I don't think it was a fluke. I think he did have a lot of success. In 2005, he won the HSBC World Match Play Championship at Wetworth. He defeated Australian Jeff Ogilvie and then went on to beat Steve Elkington in the quarterfinals, faced Ratif Goosen in the semifinals, and he beat Irishman Paul McGinley 2-1 and one in the final. He became only the fourth golfer to win the US Open and the World Match Play titles in the same year, joining Gary Player, Hale Irwin and Ernie Els. Moved him into the top of the European Order of Merit ahead of Ratif Goosen. And he finished second that year, ranked in the Order of Merit. So I think it's a bit tough if people do want to knock Michael Campbell for his achievement. You've got to remember, we're only a small country. A lot of people play golf around the world. And you go on and you win the US Golf Open. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Uh someone just texting in. Hey, great work, Watto. Nice to hear the real perspective on the state of rugby in our country. NRL superior on every level. Thanks, mate. It is. It is. Multiple narratives, uh depth in the competition, lack lack of predictability week in, week out with all of the games. Uh the players are available every week and they play every week if they are available. Um, there are superstars on the visiting teams that you look forward to going and seeing, even if your side doesn't necessarily win. The entertainment package is good. Uh, there's off-field antics. There's television shows that have plenty of opinion, discuss the big issues. Uh, they do everything rugby doesn't do. I still am just amazed that Sky Television just don't want to ever criticise rugby. 
They're happy to talk about a player and a selection, but they never go after the administration, never go after the organisation. Surely it's your number one product. Surely it's where you're spending your money. You want people talking about it. It's like in this game. There's only one thing worse than being talked about in the media, and that's not being talked about. 